Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. I have no particular talent. I am merely inquisitive, as said by Albert Einstein. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself for a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Asia Gonzalez and the theme for our show today is the gift of curiosity and inquisitiveness. And Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. So please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can do that and be part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. And it's always a season for giving, so give big. And today we have Joven with us to discuss his views and thoughts about inquisitiveness through his segment. World Watch. Hi, Jovan. Hey, all. Excited to be returning again to Express Yourself. Now, in regards to the gift of curiosity and inquisitiveness theme of this week's show, I think we can all agree that having these traits is certainly important. So, for today's edition of my segment, World Watch, I decided to focus on millennial curiosity, or the lack thereof, in the fields of politics and the sciences. Political apathy is a huge issue in America. And that isn't just limited to millennials. Many Americans do not vote, or even worse, are uninformed when they do vote. Voter turnout is consistently lower than 60%, and reached only 55% in the most recent 2016 presidential election. This number is already very low. But it it becomes even lower when looking at the midterm elections. In 2014, voter turnout just barely surpassed a third of those eligible. In those same 2014 elections, only a third of the millennials who were eligible to vote ended up doing so as well. In this 2016 election, more millennials voted than ever. More millennials voted than ever. However, this is just because more are becoming eligible. Overall, the proportion of those who voted certainly shows that there is work ahead. Now, it's hard to pinpoint the reasons why many millennials just aren't curious or interested in politics. Social media platforms such as Twitter listed the 2016 election as one of the biggest topics of the year, and I'm sure everyone can attest to the ubiquity of the election all last year, whether it was on TV, online, or just in conversations. One reason I've personally heard is that a portion of millennials aren't indifferent to politics, they're just disillusioned with the current state of it. Recently, I read a Huffington Post article and drew a conclusion that seemed to keep in line with my observations. That millennials are coalescing into two main political groups, libertarians and progressives. If this is in fact true, then it is no surprise why many did not vote this election cycle. The Democrats nominated a candidate that may have been too moderate for some progressives, and the Republicans nominated a candidate that may have held totally opposite stances than libertarians. However, what these teens must re- and millennials must realize is that these are not reasons that they should just not vote at all. Now, another reason that such a small turnout could be the indifference that some apathetic individuals have towards politics. It took eight years for 60% of Americans to know Joe Biden was their vice president. Now let's see how long it takes them to learn who Mike Pence is. A 2014 University of Pennsylvania poll showed that two-thirds of the country could not name the three branches of government, and one-third could not even name one of them. Now, no matter what your political stance is, you must agree that a democracy is most stable when it represents its constituents. But how can it fully represent its constituents and future leaders if so many of them do not vote? It's interesting how other countries have addressed this problem. Brazil and Australia have compulsory voting, and even fine those who do not show up to vote. 
Now, while I'm not necessarily advocating for that to be instituted here, it is clear that something must be done to address political apathy amongst millennials so that we can spark their curiosity and spur their inquisitiveness on important issues that face them. Scientific literacy is also something that needs to be ensured amongst our country's population. Some of the biggest issues of the past few years, in fact, revolve around it. For example, fracking, the controversial oil obtaining process that has come under fire in recent years, is a subject of many referendums, referendums and propositions in states such as California, Oklahoma, North Dakota, and the 18 other states which permitted the use. Once we combat political apathy, it's logical that we should turn to scientific literacy so that voters can make informed decisions on the issues that affect them. Environmental issues are everywhere, whether it's climate change or the Keystone XL pipeline. The 2015 Iran nuclear deal was in part judged by how it affected Iran's stockpile of uranium. If millennials end up being more scientifically aware than previous generations, it can help individuals get job, jobs, new legislation to be passed, and help our country as a whole to progress further. I can definitely agree with what you're saying because I can uh, see where you are coming from with the lack of voters or actually the uh, kind of abundance of uninformed voters. So how can we address voter apathy? Because I feel like that is quite a problem with the fact that people aren't voting or they just don't know what they're voting for. Definitely, definitely. And so... One other issue that I didn't bring up earlier is that also a lot of people don't vote because they think that just one vote doesn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so something, a way that we can address this is just by showing how important the government and even local municipal governments are to these individuals. So I recently read about a project in Sweden where certain regions there actually collect portions of collected speeding fines and then randomly distribute that money um, between people who they find that are not speeding and are going under the speed limit. Now, while I'm not necessarily advocating for that here, I think it is important to show that the government does work on issues that affect all these sorts of millennials and adults in general so that they will become more involved in politics. And also, another thing is, the Federal Election Committee Commission, the FEC, actually gives money to major parties to conduct their campaigns. They also give it to certain smaller parties that reach certain object- objectives in previous elections. Now, while these small parties might need the money to mount a campaign, big parties like the Republicans and Democrats even the Libertarian and Green parties don't necessarily need all this money that the FEC gives them. So maybe the FEC could use that on some sort of advertising where they encourage people to come out and vote and show them why. Hmm. That is very interesting. That's interesting what Sweden does. I didn't know they did that. That's kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what are some steps to really address the need for scientific literacy? Well, so I think Common Core will play a huge part in this. If we... If these standards do end up making the curriculum uniform across a vast majority of states, I definitely think it will address scientific literacy. However, a big thing about scientific literacy is that it's not just facts that people need to learn about what temperature does water freeze at or anything like that. No, it's that they need to learn these basic concepts behind these scientific topics. And so I do think Common Core will play a big role in this as we see how their curriculum will be standard nationwide over the coming years. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. And with the social media, especially with the last election, uh, we're talking about the voter apathy and the fact that, you know, not a lot of people vote or maybe the uh, person appointed for the political party or the nominee isn't exactly what fits the... uh, voters needs so do you think social media skews our political views and kind of affects the way we vote or don't vote that's a good point i do think that actually because as i stated earlier the the two biggest misconceptions about not voting is that one your votes don't matter and two um how you stated that sometimes these candidates don't fall in line with someone's political views, so they don't want to vote for the lesser of two evils, per se. Mm -hmm. And so, to address these, so first off, um, 
these two myths are propagated a lot on social media, so I'm glad you brought that up. And to address this, for example, the first one, in that one vote just doesn't make a difference, well, we can look towards the 2000 election for this, the controversial Bush versus Gore election. Now, in Florida, Bush was proclaimed the winner by only a few hundred votes. So because the margin was so small, they started a recount. And this could have easily swayed one way or another. For a short amount of time, it looked like the state might go to Gore. And this one state would have, addre- would have affected the entire election because the Electoral College was so close. Now, as I'm sure we all know, the recount was halted and Bush was declared the winner. So we don't actually know who would have won with the recount. However, we can see that since the margin was so small, just a few hundred and possibly even less, one vote really does make a difference. And also in that voting for the lesser of two evils. Now, I don't think anybody is ever really going to find a candidate that fully 100% supports all the same positions they do. Exactly. Now, I'm sad that's the case, but it is just a fact. And I'm sure that there are candidates who do support the vast majority of these issues. And the problem with not showing up to vote is that not only does this mean they're not voting for president, they're not voting for any municipal elections, which arguably will affect them even more. So what, this is actually a pretty interesting question is what, and I've been asked this before, and it's kind of hard to come up with a definitive answer. What are some of the reasons why you think this generation is so uninterested in politics? Because it seems that, you know, this younger generation that we have, the millennials, they're not really interested in participating in voting or participating in the debates or kind of really doing their research to make sure, you know, what facts are right or wrong. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, it's actually very surprising because a lot of people proclaim this as the age of communication where Mm -hmm. uh, technology streamlines all this communication. So it's curious to see why these um, these individuals aren't voting or exposed to politics at all. And so that is a hard question to answer. But what I think we just need to do is just show these people how much this will affect them. Now, obviously, these elections affect them a ton, but I feel like for some reason that's just not getting broadcast enough if so many people aren't voting. So if we just keep expanding our coverage of these elections individually, not necessarily just news coverage, Mm -hmm. then I do think that somehow we will get these teenagers and millennials to vote. Yeah, because it's really interesting, you know, if people think, oh, well, if I don't vote or if I don't really participate in the politics, you know, it doesn't really affect me much. But in fact, it really does, you know, as much as you may not be interested in this type of nominee or this legislation that's trying to be passed, you know, it could really affect your career, it could affect your personal life, it could affect, uh, you know, this legislation that they could be working on could affect a law that you personally like or or the way a business is run, you know, it it might not be big, but it could affect your life in a very small way. So it's really good to actually be curious about what's going on in the political field. And, and you know, especially uh, in your local area, you know, what are the legislations being passed? You know, what are these politicians in your local area doing to help your community? So it's actually definitely, really good definitely. to be curious about that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jovan. It was awesome talking to you and hearing your insight. It's always great to have you on a segment. And if you guys are able to support our show in these amazing segments by donating to Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. And for more information on how to do this, you can go to BeTheStarYouAre.org and follow our blog. Again, that website is BeTheStarYouAre.org. Don't go anywhere as we continue our talk. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. longer you listen the later it gets you're listening to voice america kids
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting and inspiring program. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. In this segment, we have Catherine Arden, and Catherine has her first novel, The Bear and the Nightingale, which she spent writing while she lived in Moscow and Hawaii, which is totally crazy. The main character, Vesalissa, gains a new stepmother that forbids the family from honoring the household spirits that were described in her nurse's tales, and she must use her long-hidden abilities to protect her family from the dark entity of the woods in the Russian wilderness that is growing closer. And this actually seems like a really cool read for our audience today, Catherine. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Asia. I'm really excited to talk to y'all. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited to talk about this book because it sounds really, really cool. I actually really want to read it. Oh, well, Uh, I hope you do. I Yeah, I would love to. So did you always want to be an author or did you have something else in mind? And what really made you decide to become an author? You know, I I didn't decide until very late that I wanted to be an author. Um, When I was a kid, I wanted to be, you know, ballerina, astronaut. I I was very conventional in my in my choices of like childhood profession um but then I always love stories I love to write um and I did it just for myself as like a hobby um but it wasn't until after college when I I I finished college I had a degree in Russian literature Mm -hmm. um I, I moved out to Hawaii to just like live on a farm for a while and find myself you know which was so exciting for my parents (laughs) <laughs> um, I, um, and while I was there, I, I got, I got bored and I was like, I'm going to write a book just, you know, to entertain myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started writing the bear and the nightingale and, um, really enjoyed the writing process. Yeah. Um, had a great time doing it. And when I was about probably three months in, I, I was like, what if I got this published? Just all like, Oh, I could do that. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the start of this long publishing journey, which actually ended in a published novel. Um, the Bear and the Nightingale. So, and now I now I write full time, and it's my it's my career. So it's kind of a crazy coincidence slash maybe fate. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, that's really cool. How you really find something that you enjoy most out of nowhere, and you know it becomes successful. It's pretty crazy how that happens. So I, mean, I think it's important, like find a passion and yeah. then, like, pursue it till its conclusion, because it makes life better. It makes you happy to get up it in the does. morning. It definitely sure. does. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I can actually relate to that. Um, I thought, oh, what about this little car I like to draw? Maybe I can turn this into a t-shirt business. And, you know, it went from there. So I think that's really cool that's how so you cool. kind of did yeah. a spur of the moment. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I totally can uh, relate to the spur of the moment kind of decision and then have it, you know, spin off into something super successful. Definitely. So, definitely. Yeah. It's crazy how, like, the, the weird things we didn't think would go anywhere end up going somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you have a degree in Russian literature. What made you want to pursue Russian literature? What interested you in that? Well, I had always had like a sort of fascination with Russian, like culture, language, fairy tales. Um, I had a book of of Russian fairy tales as a kid that I loved. And um, after I I finished high school, I had the opportunity to um, spend a a month um, in Moscow with some some family friends. And I really enjoyed it. And I decided to go back to Moscow for like a, a gap year, like a year off after after high school um, mm-hmm. to learn Russian. So I spent a year in Moscow at a, at a Russian institute, like learning, learning Russian um, and just just kind of fell in love with the country in that year. Um, came back to the States, um, started college um, and it was kind of a natural fit to do mm-hmm. to do Russian. I, I did French and Russian together as a, as a joint major. Oh, very um, cool. But I, I'd always kind of loved foreign languages, and, and um, yeah, it's just... So when I, when I finished college, I had this background in Russia already um, with the traveling and the, um, and the class in school, so writing a yeah, book set really in Russia you. was a very natural, was a very natural um, kind of outgrowth of that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really cool that you decided to really combine French with... Russian because I think French is such a beautiful language 
I, oh, it totally is. Yeah, I took I took two classes in high school. I haven't been able to Very pursue cool. it in college just yet. But it, while I took it in high school, I was like, this is actually really, really cool. It's very uh, beautiful. Yeah, it like, is. They're like interesting connections between France and Russia, like culturally um, as oh, well. Really? So it was kind of a fun, kind of a fun um, combination of, of studies. That's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting how, you know, you know, it's based off of Latin and it's really interesting to see how similar, you know, the French language is to English. Yeah. I mean, like, definitely French is Latin and like English is Germanic. Like they're not the same family, but um, like all, I guess, Indo-European languages like yeah. from all that region have a state, have a set of like, common ancestor. They do. Um, yeah. Which is, Yeah. Linguistics, man. That would be a good if, <laughs> if I wasn't a writer. Linguistics. Yeah, that would be oh. really interesting to. Yeah, right. But if I had For more sure. time, I would definitely try and pursue another language. <laughs> right. I don't know if I'd be able to. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's time consuming for sure. It is time consuming. I think yeah. I just have to sporadically move to another country just to you know force myself to learn something. I mean, it's been done before. Just like yeah. up and go. I'm gonna go to yeah. Colombia. Yeah, kind I'm of thing. Just gonna move right? to France. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But, uh, you know, what were some other jobs that you that you had in mind before you started writing your book? You know, you moved to Hawaii, uh, you worked on a farm, and then you lived in Moscow for a while. And then uh, what were some other jobs that you were really kind of wanting to pursue before, like right before you wanted to write your book? I mean, definitely when I was, before I started writing, um, when I was in college, I wanted to be either like a diplomat or... Um, you know, work for the foreign service mm-hmm. or do like interpretation translation work. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do something internationally focused with my foreign languages. Um, either do interpretation, possibly teaching or um, be a diplomat. I think were my top choices. Um, Cause I loved like language. I love talking to people. I loved um, learning about new cultures, but um and I feel like writing is so great because, like, no two days are the same. You know, oh, you, yeah. can do, yeah. you can do whatever, like, your imagination prompts you to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's such a wide variety of, of things to write about and things to study. And um, you have a lot of freedom on a personal level to, like, to, like work from the road, to travel. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, a great, it's a great path and one that I'm glad that I took. So you mentioned that you wanted to possibly become a diplomat. Why, why didn't you become a diplomat? What made you change your mind about that? Um, I started my book. Well, I finished college kind of burnt out. And I, and I, wanted, okay. to be sure, I wanted to be sure of my life's path before I just jumped on the wagon. Yeah. So I was going to go to Hawaii for like three months, come back, take the foreign service exam, and like go from there. Um, went to Hawaii. I really liked Hawaii. Um, started writing I was like you know what I can put off the foreign service for a year and see if I finish my book first and then I finished my book and loved writing it and then I got a contract for it and was like well guess I'm writing books now <laughs> um so <laughs> that's cool so though that's it happened cool. it just happened and I was like it really um it was it was great it, it was great yeah. that it ended up happening that way yeah um, and you uh you said you lived in Hawaii I did. Yeah, you, I, um, you lived on a farm. You did some stuff. Out of everywhere to live, you know, why did you decide to live in and write your book in Hawaii? I just, well, to be honest, I, I had finished high school. I moved to Moscow for a year. Um, I went to college in the States in Vermont, mm-hmm. um, including a year in Moscow as part of um, as, as part of my, my degree program. And so, so, yeah, so by the time I graduated college, I had spent five years in freezing cold places. <laughs> yeah, that must have been a crazy transition. And I was like super over it. So I'm like, okay, where is it not cold? Hawaii. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> that was that was literally my entire thought process. Honestly, that's so funny. No, um, I I, just have, I can definitely relate to that. I live in Colorado, and it's right? always cold here. You know, yeah. always, but like 300 and you know 60 something days of sunshine. I'm like, yeah, but cold sunshine doesn't really count. Yeah, it's <laughs> not the same. You want to like go and lie on the sand for three months. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. great. You know, that's why I miss. California oh it was great but I'm definitely jealous that you lived in Hawaii that must have been so fun it was fun it was such a worthwhile thing to do after college um just like I lived in a tent I mean yeah coffee and macadamia nuts and that's crazy hitchhiked it was it's kind of its own crazy lifestyle but it was amazing 
Yeah, I mean, at least it gave you the freedom to really, you know, dive into your book and, and you know, really immerse yourself in the writing process. It did. I would say it'd be hard to take a full-time serious, like, job where you're using all your, like, mental and physical energy yeah. every day mm-hmm. and then write a novel. Um, people do it, and it's amazing, but it'd be hard to. They, they're they superhuman. <laughs> I don't yeah, they're, they they're amazing. They're yeah. amazing. Yeah. And you, after writing your book, you, you got a contract. What was the path to getting that contract? You know, how did I that- mean, just in general with like getting a book deal, you first you find a literary agent um, and they work on commission. So they have to kind of agree to represent your book. Mm-hmm. And then your literary agent takes your book and, and pitches it um, to publishers who might then offer you a contract to um, publish it, essentially. Um, so it's cool. kind of a multi-step process. Yeah, that's yeah, that sounds yeah. Uh, pretty in, in, uh, inclusive. How was the how was the publishing process? How long did that take? It took a while. Um, I I enjoyed it. I mean, a lot of it's editing. Like you you work with an editor in the publishing house who mm-hmm. just makes sure your book's as good as it can be. Um, and and with the book that I I ended up publishing, um, it went through several edit- editing stages. It was it became quite different from the book that I um, originally wrote. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. I just went through, you know, edit after edit, and it improved each time. Um, so so once you have a book that's been edited, it goes um, to, to people who do, like, the, the layout, the design, the cover, um, and then it's bound and printed. Very cool. Did you – were you happy with how edited the book was, uh, or were, were you um – did you lose anything that you didn't want to in the book? No, I loved it. Like having somebody else to bounce ideas off of and to tell you when you're going wrong is amazing. That's um, good. Yeah, definitely. Like, like I, I would, you know, kind of like push back if I felt that something wasn't going well. But mm-hmm. I had a great experience. Like it went so well. Um, That's really cool. That stage was was um was good. I'm kind of like a, a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to to working. Oh, so. I- so someone who's like nitpicking every nit out of your work was was fun for me. That's um, good. You know that that means you're really receptive to you know like constructive criticism. You know people telling you yeah. like hey, this needs to be fixed. Yeah, I think in general when you're writing books, it's important to listen to people who have like critical things to say. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's I mean no one ever writes a perfect book the first time. It takes yeah. like work and revision. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would uh, sure. definitely make me think about, you know, how was the process for J.K. Rowling or Stephanie yeah. Meyer, you know, the authors of, you know, two of the most uh, pop-cultured books. Yeah, you know, these huge, ever. huge books. But, I mean, it's just the same thing. Like, you write a book and revise it and revise it and revise it. And then, yeah. you know, it's good and then it's published, you know. Well, I think that's really great that that came out, you know, as successful as it did. And, you know, you were really receptive to every, you know, little change. And especially on something that was kind of a whim, you were just like, hey, I feel like doing this. And, and you became really uh, successful at it. So I think that's awesome. I mean, I think working, like, following your whims is a good thing. I really do. I mean, yeah. I think it's important to to follow your strange ideas that give you joy and, like, don't always take the conventional path because you might end up being happier that way. Exactly. That is definitely something to agree on. Awesome. What a terrific Absolutely. discussion. Yeah, thank you very much for being on this segment with us. So during the break, yeah, thank you. During the break, uh, please visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. And also, please visit our charity site at bethestarryouare.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarryouare. Stay right here with us as we continue our amazing discussion on inquisitiveness. I'm Asia Gonzalez. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. 
We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. Today on Express Yourself, we are discussing the gift of curiosity and inquisitiveness. And today we have really been diving in on inquisitiveness, and we have Catherine Arden with us again. And by the way, make sure to visit her website at katherinearden.com. That is K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. ARDN.com to check out her story and get a copy of her awesome book. You guys should definitely do that. And what's really cool is that Catherine was born in Austin, Texas, but get this, she's been to many places. She spent a year of high school in France. She attended Middlebury College in Vermont, and before that, she studied in Moscow, Russia for a year. And her first book was written in Hawaii. So, Catherine, you've had quite an adventure with this book. Yeah, I I mean, what can I say? I have always loved to travel and yeah. um, had some chances to do so in my, my late teens, early 20s, and um, just kind of ended up writing my book wherever I happened to be, um, which was largely Hawaii. Which um, is super cool. I mean, Hawaii's great, man. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> I, would, I would not doubt that. I haven't been yet, yeah. but I plan on going. Definitely, so what was the hardest, Yeah, what was the hardest thing about writing your book and uh, what was the best thing, you know, what were, what were the two pros and cons of it? Yeah, I mean, like, I think the hardest thing in any book is just writing the first book. Like, it's a psychological hurdle, because you think, I mean, it's a long process. It's, it's hundreds of pages. It's so much time and effort. Yeah. And you think, will I be able to do it? Do I have, like, the, the, the mental stamina and the patience and the perseverance to write the whole book? And I think... Um, for anybody just getting over that hurdle of writing a whole novel and finishing it. Um, it's a, it's a big, it's a big hurdle because you don't know if you can jump it or not. Um, I think for me personally, I had some panic attacks when I had to write dialogue early on. Mm, Um, I I would come to a place where someone should probably say something and be like, what would they say? I mean, what would anybody (laughs) say? And get kind of panicky. Kind of like that awkward silence in a conversation. Right. You're like, they got to talk now. Oh God. Um, <laughs> for sure. But that you get used to that. I think after a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like any big endeavor, just, just keeping, keeping it up every day, mm-hmm. you know, write And don't stop until it's finished. I think is the biggest hurdle um, that, that I faced. Um, the best thing, I mean, I guess the best thing about writing books in general is you get to imagine things and live in your own world and imagine new worlds and write that down and share it with people. That That's you pretty know? cool. That's the best thing about writing, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's like a, a, a source of joy. Um, it is. Share, to share your work, um, which I love and I still love. I haven't gotten tired of it yet, my goodness. That's good. <laughs> I <hope. laughs> Right? <laughs> yeah. So what made you write the book set in Russia? Uh, you you lived there for a while and you studied Russian literature. What else made you want to have the setting in Russia? I mean, The Bear and the Nightingale is set in Russia in the Middle Ages. Um, and it's partially based on Russian history, like medieval Russian history, mm-hmm. and partially based on fairy tales or folklore from the same time period. And... Um, I had a background in Russian. Um, I'd spent almost two years in Moscow at that point. Um, also, I had a degree in Russian from college. Um, I always wanted to write a book based on a fairy tale. Because mm-hmm. um, I loved I loved kind of fairy tale-based novels as a child. The books of, say, yeah. Robin McKinley were, were dear to my heart. Um, and then kind of in particular, I, I had some Russian friends um, living on the farm next door to mine in Hawaii where I was living I wrote Bear and the Nightingale. Um, they were they had a they had a five year old daughter um, named Vasilisa, who was such an amazing kid, really really 
sweet and fierce and and brave and kind and mm-hmm. um when i when i met her i was like wow that kid could be in a book um oh, and cool kind of she she kind of became the the early model for who became the main character in my book who's also named vasilisa um so there was like a sort of a perfect storm of of influences that came yeah. together to have that book be written which i'm sure is true of any book you know there's mm-hmm. many things inspire it so did you do a lot of research for your book for all of the fairy tales and the folklore and kind of like more of the medieval culture? And what did you use to do all of that research? I mean, I did a ton of research. I think kind of your, your first resource is the Internet. But in the case of medieval Russia, um, I, I sort of amassed a small library of, of like scholarly books on kind of obscure subjects like crop practices and weapons and uh-huh. um that kind of awesome. history. Um, I, yeah, just research. You know, you go to libraries, you look for books, you read books. Um, there's no substitute for just good old-fashioned, like, research, like you learn in school. Internet slash library slash bookstore slash Amazon. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Google. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, Google is tough for, like, very specialized things like medieval Russia. Cause, it's I mean, very Wikipedia, hard to find one yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, Wikipedia can, like, go a certain way, but if you want, like, details, you really got to, like, go for the old-fashioned, like, library card, mm. um, which I also recommend to people. Yeah, definitely. It's very good to get those original sources. What Absolutely. was the most interesting thing you learned about medieval Russia while you were doing research? Because that sounds like a very vast majority of very, uh, really interesting information. Oh, well, I learned a lot about the medieval Russian bathhouse, which I thought was fascinating. Like, Russians would have, like, a house and then a bathhouse where you would go and, like, take a steam bath and, like, dump water on yourself um, to stay clean in the winter. Um, And the bathhouse was also the place where people would go to give birth, like, have have babies in the bathhouse. Oh. Um, Also, they would, if somebody died, they'd be laid out. Um, for their funeral in the bathhouse. Um, also, if you wanted to perform black magic in medieval Russia, you would go to the bathhouse at midnight because that was the most like evil, magical place. Mm-hmm. Wow, the bathhouse is a pretty big hangout, <laughs> right? I mean, and it's like it's like the bathhouse. <laughs> yeah, um, it's absolutely a center of like of like important social things like mm-hmm. birth and death and magic all take place. In the bathhouse, um, I thought it was just weird. amazing, right? <laughs> just amazing. Yeah, it's like everybody uh, going to the bathroom to like, yeah, hang out. Like, hey guys, I'm gonna do this, but you know, let's go to the bathroom for that. <laughs> like in the shower, I was. It's like the bathhouse is like you go to like a little room, like it's like a sauna, right? So you go to like a hot room with like, yeah, steam. yeah, that's yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah, but it's like also a social center, probably because it's the only warm place anywhere in the winter time in russia yeah in the middle of People, winter russia yeah like the house is not that warm but like the bathhouse is hot so yeah that makes um, sense though isn't that crazy yeah that's pretty funny though so in your I, book you based your main character uh vasilisa off of this little girl that you met on the farm uh is she your favorite character or is somebody else your favorite character i mean she's definitely my favorite human that i wrote like she's an amazing character i love um, she's brave. She's she's kind. She's independent. I mean, there's so many things about the main character Vasilisa that I wish um, were I was more like I was more like her. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as writing goes, I enjoyed writing villains perhaps more than oh. I enjoyed writing heroes because villains are fun. Um, it's fun to like try to fit yourself into their world to make yeah create a more orthodox character yeah i mean villains like they're they're doing bad things but you want to make the bad things seem justified to them so it's Mm -hmm. more of an exercise in like understanding people that are very unlike you um which i really enjoyed and there were a couple of villains in brand the nightingale that were very fun to write um so yeah now, what character would you say is the best role model? The best role model, definitely the main character, Vasilisa. Like she's she's both independent and loyal to her family. She's loving, she's brave. Um, she's by far the best person I think 
in in the bear and the nightingale in the book that i wrote um and somebody that i i think i really admire i would admire you know she's she's a she's a good person Mm -hmm. so does she show inquisitiveness because it really does seem like she's very curious about who she is and what she can do especially since she has to now protect her family from you know the dangers of that entity that is in the woods after they've stopped really honoring those uh those house spirits and because of the stepmother so really does she show that curiosity absolutely i mean i think Leslie, so the main character she she accepts the world as it is and also tries to understand it mm-hmm. um she's she she tries to she doesn't just judge things she really works hard to understand and learn yeah um and and yeah, I think she's very inquisitive in that sense um, that she wants to understand things mm-hmm. and um, not judge them. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Was it hard to come up with the story or to keep the characters flowing or did that come pretty easily to you? I mean, it, I think it definitely has good days and bad days. I think for everyone, there's a different process. But for me, um, there were days when it flowed quickly. There were days when it I felt it was terrible. There were mm-hmm. um, story hangups that I thought were impossible that I would then solve. Like, it's a very up and down sort of process. I don't personally outline. Um, I just start and see where I go story-wise. Yeah. Um, there's some writers who are very, like, careful and tidy and who, who make a careful plan before, mm-hmm. um, before writing their book. And I'm more of, like, a see what happens kind of kind of writer um yeah which has which has plus and minuses as a strategy (laughs) yeah definitely well since you have that kind of mindset are there any other adventures you plan on going next or uh you know what are you planning right now I mean I have I just finished a second novel um it'll be out next January um it's called The Girl in the Tower um I have a third book on the way um, which will be out the following January, January 2019. Um, in the meantime, I am still writing and still traveling. I'm going to be in Sweden and the UK this spring. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, just kind of bouncing around, writing books. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you have any advice for any young writers who want to be published or have any dreams of becoming an author? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is not to give up. I mean, writing a book is hard. Um and and no one writes a good book on their first draft, or most folks don't. So you just have to like get up every day and write more words, you know, and not stop until you finish something. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, practice makes perfect. Absolutely. And also, like, starting a book is pretty easy, but finishing a book is hard. So I think it's important to, like, finish books you start, even if they're not, like, your best work. Just mm-hmm. finish it. Um, because you learn by finishing. Awesome. Um, so that's a, yeah, just, just dogged persistence, I think, is the best approach, honestly. Perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. That's great advice, and it's definitely good to be persistent with that kind of thing. Well, thank you so much for being here today with me, Catherine. It was great well, speaking with you. so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. It was great talking to you, and definitely check out her book, you guys. Uh, to do that, you can go to her website at Catherine Arden. That's K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. A-R-D-E-N, KatherineArden.com to snag a copy of her book and to check out her story. She's got a pretty interesting story and all the places that she's been, all the adventures that she's been on. And be sure to stay tuned for our next segment. And during the the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for Be the Star You Are, 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. And for more info, go to events at our website at www.btsya.org. And visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for more information about our show. And when we come back, we will continue our inspiring conversation. I'm Asia Gonzalez. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. 
Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, and today's hour is all about inquisitiveness. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and in this segment, we've got Katie Chu on the air with us with her Aim to Shoot segment. Hi, Katie. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie, the reporter for Aim to Shoot, which is all about careers, and today I'm going to be telling you about how curiosity can really play a role in your career or professional future. So regardless of what kind of career you want to pursue, curiosity can definitely help you get there. Curiosity is the key to learning more, to understanding, to knowing what you're interested in, to showing your interest, and to make better decisions for your class schedule next year or for your college or major profession. And curiosity can honestly open so many more doors for you than you would, would without it and can lead you to a lot of opportunities. This year, I learned in my AP Psychology class that we're really primed from birth to be curious. The why period for kids does exist, and it's natural. For example, my little brother had a why period, too. And at the time, I thought it was extremely bothersome and annoying because he would always respond to every question or every answer with, why? Or like, why is the sky blue? And why is wood hard? But when I look back at it now, I only remember positive things like, The fact that his questions showed his interest in the world and the fact that he probably learned a lot of things that he might be shy to ask about now when he's older. When I was younger, I was extremely shy, so I never asked questions. But as I grew older, I became more confident and I asked questions when I didn't understand the concept or I wanted to expand on a thought. And I found that not only did I have a better understanding of the topic that allowed me to think critically about the passage, problem, situation, etc., But it also gave my teacher and my peers a better understanding of me. Teachers who remembered me better and clearly understood when I was particularly interested in something. And this eventually led to more opportunities for me. So asking questions, being curious in the things you do, are doing, and will do in the future is vital to becoming successful. This is one way curiosity plays a role in the success of your professional future. And for those who are always afraid that asking questions will annoy the other person, don't be. Unless you're consistently asking questions like my brother did, responding to every answer with another why. And I mean, even then most people won't mind, but even if you don't do that, that person won't mind at all. People, to be honest, are born with a natural ego and we want to demonstrate our knowledge when we can. So a question will only encourage us excite us and make us want to talk even more. So don't be afraid to ask questions, no matter who you're with. The second way curiosity plays a huge role in career is that you have to be curious in the path you choose. The reason for this is that curiosity improves memory, learning, your ability to pick up skills. If you're genuinely curious about your major or your future line of work, you'll be able to pick up information and skills much more quickly like that. And you'll be much more successful than you would be without curiosity or interest toward that field. Albert Einstein said, I have no special talents. I'm only passionately curious. Not that curiosity can make everyone a 21st century Albert Einstein, but curiosity is a must for your career. A study by UC Davis revealed that as the participants' curiosity about a topic increased, not only were they better at learning the information, but they were also much better at remembering unrelated information, such as the person who was asking the question in their face or other surroundings when they were exploring the topic. So clearly, your cognitive skills improve significantly when you're curious about something. 
So one of the best ways to ensure a better career for yourself is by choosing the one you're curious in. When you're thinking about what field to study, what degree, what profession you might want to follow, make sure you ask yourself whether you're genuinely curious about the topic. When your calculus teacher taught you a certain method of solving a problem or some theorem, did you wonder how that method or theorem was created? Did you think about the proof behind that theorem? Or when your biology teacher briefly mentioned the inner workings of some biological disease, was your curiosity aroused? Think about whether you are curious about that field, whether you would willingly do extra research and extra work for it. Now, the third point I want to discuss regarding careers and curiosity is what kinds of careers should individuals with curious minds pursue? Sometimes there are people who really don't have a particular preference in a certain major or and eventually decide on the path that merely suits their personality the best. And this is a fine method to ch- um, method or way to choose your major. If you don't really have a particular field that you want to study or a certain interest in a certain path, then you can just decide the path or profession or field that suits you the best and you think would be well integrated into your life and that you would be able to adapt to quickly. So applying this to the quality of curiosity, it's an interesting and probably not uncommon question. What careers are best for curious minds? So let's say you're that person who just has a natural curiosity for everything. You don't know whether you prefer science, history, or math, or you don't know whether you want to be an engineer, doctor, or teacher, but you're just constantly curious and you're constantly asking questions and you just really want to expand on any topic that you're introduced to. So what career out there would be best for you? Well, one possibility is being a reporter. Reporters clearly inform the public about news events or other items of interest. And as the world is constantly changing and there are new events each day, each week, every year, reporters deal with a variety of different situations and a variety of different events that they must talk about and a lot of different situations in which they have to investigate. So the minimum educational requirement for a reporter is a bachelor's degree in journalism, communications, or some related field of that sort. And reporters are required to be on the scene of a news story as quickly as possible, mostly to gather all the facts needed. And they have to develop a report with police forces, political figures, and informants to receive the best possible information. And those who work for large news agencies, such as television news networks, are often even sent abroad to report on events happening around the world. So obviously, if you're going abroad to different countries, varying from Europe to Latin America to Asia, you're going to be dealing with a large large range of ideas, of events, of new information. And with that, you'll be able to really use your curiosity to the extent and be able to fulfill your questions when you can, compared to other careers where you're kind of limited in the answers you can get and the activity and work you can do in order to answer your questions. So, uh, unfortunately, for reporters, projected job growth is an 8% decline, but that doesn't mean that the reporters are, are going to be a lost job soon. We will still need reporters 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, but compared to other, other jobs and other careers, it's true that it is in the decline. And the median salary in 2015 was around 36000 Skills that you would need as a reporter, other than being curious are strong interviewing and writing skills, being able to analyze and interpret large amounts of information, and really being able to talk with people and be able to absorb new information as quickly as possible. The best journalism or communication programs for becoming a reporter include ones at Bradley University, Boston University, Asbury University, and obviously there are more programs out there, but I'm going to move on for now. So another possibility would be becoming a researcher. So you can, as a researcher, you can collect, organize, analyze, and interpret data and opinions to explore issues, solve problems, and predict trends. And the term researcher is actually very vague because you can consider scientific researchers or business-related researchers, depending on what kind of field you do want to pursue as a researcher. So generally, especially now, most researchers measure public opinion. 
Social science researchers study the public's opinion regarding social issues, services, political campaigns. Market researchers design and administer surveys to, de- to determine what people are most likely to buy. For example, whenever you notice that some kind of survey pops up on a on a website that you're on and asks you what you like to buy, where you like to go, these are researchers trying to absorb and trying to find out more information about what consumers like. And these results do really influence businesses, policy and decision makers, politicians. Obviously, you can tell by the influence of polls on on the election and on a lot of different things and the, overall the general pu- public opinion and the actions of the people. Now, the growing awareness of the influence of polls and surveys on consumers and businesses has ensured that research will continue to be a growing field, especially as computers continue to play an increasingly important role in spreading these surveys and playing a role in this area. So other other possibilities are becoming lawyers or becoming criminal investigators. And both, both these careers, although very different, include communicating with their clients, colleagues, judges, and really conducting a lot of research. And for people who are curious, they really do want to be able to conduct research without as many limits as other careers might have. And a criminal criminal investigator, for example, is hired to gather the facts and compile the evidence and really think about these situations analytically. And this can help really fulfill your curiosity as a person if you're constantly looking for new information and trying to examine physical evidence. And for a criminal investigator, the average annual salary in 2015 was $79,000. And that's actually a pretty high salary. Um, So criminal investigator, though not as common, is another possibility for people who are curious and can definitely fulfill your curiosity as, as a professional career. Now, of course, there are other options, including starting a business, working in product development, or even becoming a foreign service officer. Obviously, there isn't a job that says curiosity job or a curiosity career, but curiosity as a quality and as a trait, it can be applied to a variety of careers. Thus, people who are curious and don't know what to do really do have a large range of careers they can consider when they're older or on their way now, and they can choose any of them. As you can see from the careers I mentioned above, including researching, reporters, criminal investigators, all these careers, while great for curious minds, also require other skills. So the best way for you to choose a career is to look among these careers that constantly deal with new information and ideas and choose the career that best utilizes your other talents and skills other than curiosity. That is, that's really interesting. I'm really glad you really connected those careers with curiosity because I do feel like people who are naturally curious and they always want to try new things and they want to experience new stuff, it's super important for people to be able to use that and utilize that in their career because with people who are naturally curious, there's a high possibility that they're going to get bored pretty easily, which is why people with lots of social skills, lots of... Um, like a, a huge need to be social with people, it really, they really need a career that will allow them to really express that curiosity and express that energy that they have within their career. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. For people who are curious, they have a lot of things that they want to explore and they don't, they don't, aren't able to adapt to limits as easily. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And which is which is really cool with the people who are CEOs and, and people who own their own businesses. They're always looking for new ways to either adapt to a new environment for their business or to further their business investment or just something that will make their business uh, better in any kind of way. You know, that's definitely something that is for people who are naturally curious and inquisitive. So thank you so much, Katie. And your segments are always great. I always love hearing about, you know, what the careers are out there in, in society and the community for people uh, who are inquisitive or they, uh, they love to communicate with others. I just love to hear about everything that you have to say. 
But it's time to say farewell. Sadly, we give our thanks to Star Style Productions. It's Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. And thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For more information on our creative community, go to btsya.org and our main site at bethesariwar.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be curious, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself